Hello everyone and welcome to this game where with me Ashley and me Chris. Hello everyone. Hope you're okay. Hope you're okay, Ashley. I'm good, thank you. I slapped my legs while I said that, which is probably not what I was supposed to do. Why? I hope it didn't come out. I don't know. Uh, enthusiasm? I don't know. Oh. I don't know. Don't 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 dig. I thought it, meant like a, it was like a nervous tick or something. I don't think so, but you never know. Let's I don't not. know. I feel quite. I feel quite like. I feel quite energized. Oh, okay. Uh, this evening, so yeah. Right. So nervous energy. Something like that. Yeah. Cool. You be on the on the prime. No, no, oh. I haven't. No, no. I have found that quite hilarious in terms of. Well, I found it a bit absurd and hilarious at the same time when people were buying it in ridiculous amounts and for ridiculous prices. But it's even more funny now that it's on sale in Morrison's for £2. How much was it selling for when people were... You do, Oh, are you not aware of... Well, I know... Uh, the, of the nonsense. I, yeah, I'm aware of the nonsense, but I don't, I'm, not, I'm not aware of the price. Well, there was a place in Wakefield, I think it was. They were selling a crate of it for £1,000. Get out of town. And that was like 12 or either 12 or 24 bottles for £1,000. And, and possibly more than that. Like, pe- people were taking big wads of cash to buy their kids... Yeah, crates of it was absurd. People are absurd. Should we do an age drink? I think you have to have an audience to be able to sell that. What we call it? Game juice. Don't even. mm, That's awful. (laughs) I'm so sorry. So you should be. What's the game we're doing this week? Uh, This week we are playing this game where you traverse a fantasy world as a Conan-like barbarian or other character uh, riding on mysterious and wonderful steeds in the process. Golden Axe? Yes. So do you know, stupid question, do you know anything about Golden Axe? I blooming love Golden Axe, and I'm very excited to play it because when we played Street to Rage last year, I think it was, uh, I th- it, it it held up. It was it was still as good as I remember it being. I remember yeah. Golden Axe being really flipping good. So um, high hopes. As far as I'm aware, I know that Castle of Illusion happened, and I said the same thing. But I like Golden Axe. Um, I'm putting it out there. Hopefully that it will hold up because I don't like episodes where I say that and then. It turns out it's poop. But I think this will. I think in a lot of ways it it stands firm in my head as something that should just play as well as it used to. Mm. It came out in 1989 initially to the arcade. Um, But the uh, that was early 1989, January. And then it it followed onto the Mega Drive late in the year. Actually, as late as you can really get uh, in term in in the sense that it came out on the 22nd of December. That is quite late. Um, I mean, you can definitely get later by several days, but, you know, people don't tend to release games that late very often. This was one of them. Yeah. 22nd of December in North America, and then 23rd of December in Japan, which is kind of a surprise to me because it feels like... I think beat-em-ups I I kind of associate with Japanese arcades and Mm -hmm. certainly started in a Japanese arcade and then did a flip-flop when it came to home consoles a flip-flop a flip-flop like it 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 switched so it came out in north america a day before japan sorry um, we didn't get it in europe for a full year really uh, after that yeah pretty much 30th of november it came out in 1990 for any particular reason just that's the way it was wasn't it 
bad times. That's just how things worked out uh, at the time. They didn't do worldwide releases in mm. in a major way. This is one of the games that didn't do it um, in exactly the same way as a lot of others. It's only Mega Drive, isn't it, or Genesis? It only came out on the Mega Drive, yeah, yeah. or the Genesis, whatever you want to call it. Um, it was produced and de- it was developed and published by Sega themselves as well. Um, it uh, the designer was Makoto Ishida who I don't know from anything else. Do you know them from anything else? Is that one of those names that I should know, but I don't? Uh, maybe. I, it doesn't It doesn't uh, tickle any of my pickles. It doesn't... They, they don't tick... Right, okay, cool. It, it, it's a beat-em-up. So you've talked about Streets of Rage. What's up? So, are we talking about a person now? Okay, I've got confused. No, we've moved on from Makoto. Right, okay, cool. Because we didn't have anything on no, him. Was I was just double-checking, you know, like there's sometimes these people that... I'm not very good at the name game or the celebrity thing. Oh, I, th- I, thought, and, I thought you were going to like tell me an anecdote about this person, but you've you've nope. Okay, no, literally, I was fishing for an anecdote from you. Wow, this is this is. Good. <laughs> but you didn't have any. Nope. Oh yeah, absolutely. It, it's very good. Um, one of the reasons it's very good is because there aren't that many stories about Golden Axe. Uh, so just brace yourself for that. Um, the game itself is a beat-em-up. That's what I was moving on to. So a beat-em-up, as you've already in, uh, sort of alluded to, is uh, in the Streets of Rage vein, where you move uh, through an environment and people come out to try and attack you, and you attack them instead, yeah. and hopefully you succeed. The, I think, defining elements of Golden Axe, the, the things that make it stand out, are its setting. So I don't know very many beat-em-ups that do have like this medieval fantasy style setting um it's it's swords and sorcery sort mm. of uh fair and and as i say i don't think there are that many that i'm aware of anyway there aren't many that i'm aware of that sort of fit into that fantasy uh role the other thing that i think it makes it stand out is uh its use of and i alluded to this at the beginning its use of steeds mm. do you remember this they were quite weird, weren't they? Like quite fantastical. Was there, is there, is there yeah. a dragon? And then was there some sort of like little creatures, like a, a newt or something, like a this it, like bi, biped type creature? I remember two of them. So I don't remember a, a a dragon so much as the other. Like I don't remember that at all, to be honest. But but I might have what made I do remember because I'm conflating the. No, I don't think you have. I think I've seen that. No, I think you're right. Okay. I think you're right that there was a dragon. Um, but what I remember is like what, what I kind of recall as a Triceratops style thing on all fours and it has a bit of a beak. But um, I think that might have also, I think it might have actually been a cockatrice. So that is one of the steeds that's in the uh, right. in the game. And I think the thing that I remember as a Triceratops is actually the cockatrice. Yeah. Um, and then there was also, as you've said, there was one... But may- maybe I am thinking of the same thing. It never ac- again occurred to me that it was a dragon. But I do remember this bipedal uh, creature that you yeah. could ride. That was like a. Di- I thought of it as a, di- as a dinosaur as well, like a different kind of dinosaur. So you're saying of, it was a dragon, some sort of weird creature. Yeah, I really enjoyed that aspect. I don't know about you. Oh yeah, it was great. Like you know, hopping on these things and then going around. They're, they're quite slow and lumbering, but you felt a, a real sense of power lording it over these mm. people. Uh, the, the other things that are attacking you as you're on these, it was it was really cool. It was like what well, it was. It was a power up, wasn't it? Yeah, it absolutely was, and it it definitely made you feel powerful mm. in a way that not all power ups do. And it also um, 
kind of made the game it gave the game a different dynamic so i think one thing that beat-em-ups can often feel is a bit samey yeah and i certainly remember being quite excited to be able to ride these weird Mm. mythical creatures and felt like i had genuinely powered up if you compare it to uh, streets of rage uh, the streets of rage sort of superpower type thing was that car that was off screen and it would shoot out rockets yeah. and that that was definitely not empowering you it was just something that was super powerful that would give you an advantage whereas here it kind of feels like it was something you call in time of emergency whereas this is something that you had and it was a piece of equipment that you had yeah for the entirety of was it that the other enemies the enemies attacked it and after so much it would then run off or normally you would get it off an enemy so they there would be an enemy that comes in yeah. riding the the creature and then you would kill the enemy that's on it and you would be able to take it uh, you can compare that to again like the way that you would get weapons in in uh, mm. streets of rage because that's another you know power up that streets of rage might have had here you do the same thing but you do the, do it with these massive well relatively massive mythical creatures and they stand as a way a way to give yourself an advantage i just i just like how active it is compared mm. to other to other beat-em-ups because a lot of the time they do go down the route of like there is a savior that can swoop in and and deal some hefty damage to your uh, enemies but here it's all kind of in your hands and yeah. you are you are empowered as a player yeah completely so and in terms of the way uh responds to being attacked you can be knocked off the uh, creature yeah and then the enemies can get back on it it will go into like a, a state of like oh i can be ridden and then the enemies can get back on it and, you, and there can be this tussle and at a certain point as you've said once it's been ridden a certain amount of times i think it was um uh, it will run away right so you have options you have opportunities to get back on it but so do the enemies and there's a, like a little tussle it was cool the thing i cool. think of when i think of god is the in between stages the area with the campfire I don't remember that at all, so yeah, please so you, do go on. You had, there was, between every level, I believe, there was this uh, set, um, not area, like sequence, I guess, where your character is sleeping by campfire and this little goblin creature wearing like a blue smock runs on with this bag and whatever mm. power-ups you have, it will steal them and you then are awoken. Oh, I remember that. By stealing them and you've then got a bit of opportunity to chase it around the screen and, and duff it up to get the power-ups back and if you are able to get some of them back, great. If you get all of them back, well done. But you might not be able to get them all back and then you then start that server with nothing at all. I remember finding those bits mm. really fun. Again, it's kind of like you yeah. said, it's almost that like world building, the fact that, you know, you, you're mm. sleeping in the, by the road, by a campfire, that you're open to attack, and then you are attacked by this little goblin yeah. creature. I, I quite like I, I quite like the idea of that. I, I do remember, like, a weird little goblin-y creature coming and trying to steal things off you. Yeah. I, do, I do kind of remember that, but I don't remember that context for it. So that's interesting. I'll be interested to see that. And I also like um, the, the range of characters. There was uh, there was the kind of like Shira type character, the Amazonian yeah. warrior type princess person. Yep. Then there was the the bulging He Man stereotype, and then there was a a, a dwarf with a, the big old beard, like the, the proper the Hobbit, Lord of the Rings type dwarves. Was it just those mm. three characters? So there was Gilius Thunderhead, who was oh, the axe wielding dwarf. That, that, I mean that that is straight out of Tolkien, isn't it? That name, yeah. The, the next one's not so much. It's the male barbarian axe battler. Catchy. It's, so catchy. It doesn't have a name, it's just got a title. 
not really. And he's also called Axe Battler, and he wields a broadsword whilst Gilius wields the axe. So, they're, you know, let's Confusing. not think too deep. <laughs> and then there is, well remembered, like the, the third character is a an Amazonian um, called Tyrus Flair. Um, there is some backstory on all of this. They they are fighting. The people you're fighting, I never knew any of this because it was probably in the manual and I didn't read it. But um, the people that you're fighting are the soldiers of Death Adder. And, um, you know, there's different backstories for different people. Um, I think, so Axe Battler, his mum got murdered by Death Adder. Um, or or I've, I'm kind of assuming that. That's what, his mother was murdered. I know that much. Um, but I'm assuming it's by Death Adder. The problem with that is that Tyrus Flair's motivation for being in this uh, scenario is that her parents were both killed by Death Adder. And lastly, Gilius, his twin brother was killed by the soldiers of Death Adder. Wow. So they're all kind of going out for revenge to to um, make up for the deaths of their families, which is bleak. It is, yeah. Oh, I guess it gives some, yeah. some sense of how, how bad this person is. Yeah, I don't remember Death Adder. Do you remember Death Adder? No, not at all. I don't think this no. game ever finished. It was one my brother yeah. had it on the one of the three in, three in one compilations. Me too. Ah, there you go. It was. Yeah. I, I can't remember which of the games were on this. I have got it written down somewhere uh, as a, mm. kind of a, a future episode for this. But uh, this is one we we played this a lot, and there was a certain level I could get to. I seem to remember it being in the clouds, like in a, in a sky sort of setting, and oh. it was really really hard. And we can never get past that. I mean, I don't remember that, and I don't really remember. I, what I do remember vividly is the first stage, and that, to me, is um, you know symbolic of the possibility that I didn't get very far in this game ever. <laughs> I always found beat-em-ups very difficult, and I think we've talked a little bit about this before, because they, they are a staple of arcades, mm-hmm. and arcades are money machines. The games are designed to sap you of 25 pence pieces, or 20, we don't have those. We don't. In our, in our country, 20 pence pieces. In, the, in America, in the USA, uh, 25 cent pieces. A quarter. Quarters. Yeah. Um, so they're, they're designed around that, and when they make the jump to home consoles they often retain an element of that mm-hmm. um which always for me was a bit of a difficulty because i was never skilled at these games i always played them without yeah without getting very far a lot right. of the time when we played i don't know if i said this but when we played the simpsons arcade despite having spent literal hours playing that in in various arcades the time we played it was the furthest i got because we had unlimited say uh, unlimited continues yeah. It's the furthest I've ever been in it. And if I remember rightly, it was still pretty hard with the Infinite Continues as oh, well. Oh, yeah, it really was. They, they, it was cheap developer tricks in yeah. the uh, the Simpsons arcade. I, I'm interested to know. I feel that, that there was less of that in Streets of Rage, and I'll be keeping an eye out for it here to see how much of it tries to rinse you, because um, I imagine it's quite high. But we'll see. In terms of development, so I, I have mentioned Makoto Ishida. They were the lead designer on this, and the influences uh, are plain to see, really. They were looking to make a... They were really into fancy action adventure films. Um, Conan is often cited as a reference here. Um, and they also wanted to sort of... They wanted to combine that genre with Tra- Double Dragon. So we've been talking about Streets of Rage, but actually... 
one of the places that they were pulling from here was Double Dragon. Right. You've said about She-Ra, I think, at one point. Yeah. And the one of the things that I was really into at the time that I was playing this was Masters of the Universe. Oh, yeah. I, I never he, liked he that. Man. Ne- never liked no? them. No, they're a bit too, um, too po-faced for me. Yeah. Well, I kind of always felt like I was playing that when I was playing this. Right. Um, yeah, yeah. And I think for some reason, there's definitely a character like a, a lion type character that is green and yellow. Uh, sorry, tiger type character in Master of the Universe that's green and yellow. And I, I seem to think that there was one of the seeds kind of reminded me of of that char- uh, of that animal from uh, Master of the Universe. Plus the fact that there were these muscle bound, uh, this muscle bound barbarian that is obviously sort of He-Man-ish uh, or Conan-ish. All pulls yeah. in the same thread, doesn't it? It does kind of, yeah. I think that's kind of what I'm getting at. And yeah. um, certainly I wasn't thinking Conan when I was playing this. I was no. definitely thinking Master of the Universe. It It is kind of a game for me that sums up the 90s. And uh, um, I think part of that is that there was... It, it, the backdrop to this is very much like Saturday morning cartoons. But also you, you started... I was playing this at a time where Master of the Universe, the film... Her, uh, I'd watched that on television, like it was on television, and um, the Super Mario Brothers movie was also um, out and about. Yeah. Um, so games and uh, games and films and television shows were all sort of combining and creating this interesting, cool backdrop that I feel is the nineties. It, feel, it feels for me it was a game that a lot of people I knew that had Mega Drives had this, often as part of that three-in-one mm. compilation as well. So it's something that I also associated with gaming in the 90s because a lot of people mm. I knew had it. It was something where around someone's house, oh yeah, you've got God next, let's go on that. And yeah, so again, good good memories of it with, with that as well. In terms of reviews, it did very, very well. Um, it's, it, it's sort of eights and nines across the board for those people that give it... Um, a numerical score but yeah general general consensus was very very good that is um evidenced by the fact that it got a couple of sequels um and i think i definitely played golden axe 2 but i'm not sure about golden axe 3 uh it also you might remember some of this it it's featured in sonic the comic yes it did god i from about yeah. that it was quite a limited run from what i understand like it, it only got 10 stories or whatever in very in, in a number of comics but it was definitely in there for a period of time i think it was in the earlier issues of it as well when they were using multiple sources as opposed to just pure sonic and his cronies when there was like decap attack there was a strip about that for ages which i didn't really like yeah. i'd never played the game so i didn't really understand what it was referencing and there was eternal champions had a strip for a bit as well and yeah golden axe which again because it was the whole swords and sorcery type thing I, I i think it was quite serious as well so i never really particularly mm. enjoyed that as a comic either no i i feel like somehow i did see a version of it in a comic but i that you know that's as that's as concrete as it gets for me because <laughs> i wasn't i wasn't an avid fan of sonic and i wasn't buying his comics um but i kind of think that i might have come across it in that in that form at some point as well cool um that's that's all i've got to say about golden axe um i think that it's probably better in the playing anyway yeah talking yeah let's go
Golden axe, golden axe. Oh, are you doing? What are you I'm, doing? I'm being a golden axe. Sword noises. Oh no. Yeah. Kadunk, kadunk. That's a that's an axe sound, isn't it? I've never actually used an axe. I don't think. Neither have I. Golden or I don't think I have. I don't think I've even held an axe. No, I have. I did did some chopping wood once. I wasn't very good at it. You have, you have to hold your hand in a certain way and let it slide down the shaft as you, as you release it over your head and to give it the weight and let it. Follow that sounds through. like something you'd be good at. Oh, come on! That was Lots a, of practice. That was a cheap. Oh, come on! I think you did that on purpose. I think I, you I teased me didn't. up. No, no, no. I remember very vividly Rubbish. being told. Nope. Well, you, you don't know, do you? So you can't correct me otherwise. I've anyway. used a pickaxe before, and I imagine that the um, the motion can be similar. I've never used a pickaxe, so between the two of us, we've got all axe bases covered. Yeah. Have you used uh, Matic? I don't know what that is. They're a very accessible pickaxe-style mm, tool for the garden. No. Do you a lot of favours getting yourself a Matic. Don't have Matics in Golden Axe, do they? But they don't. they got axes and swords. You played with a sword, I played with an axe. Which was golden? No. Mm. Uh, where does the where does the title yeah, that was axe come from? Mm. It's a very good question. I don't I don't know the answer. I wish I did. Never well, mind. The game. Okay. Yeah, talk about the game. Uh, the, the game is flipping fantastic. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. Um, I chose so the options that I had was arcade beginner, the jewel, which we'll get to later. Um, but arcade, the beginners, the jewel, and options. I chose arcade. Yes, that's what I did. Interesting. So I'm kind of interested, and probably should have in the time that I had left. Uh, I'm quite interested in exploring what beginner is because I waltzed through the first five stages of this game. It was not too much of a challenge at all. And then I got to the... Well, I say first five. Maybe maybe it was the first four. And then the fifth stage is the eagle head, which um, I got absolutely smashed on uh, that, right at the beginning. And that was the thing I was thinking of, the eagle head. I, I said about another yeah. in the sky. I think it must have been that one. Yeah, it was in the sky. And one of the things that it did to show that it was in the sky was have this platform that the enemies can very easily smash you off. And when you get smashed off that platform, you fall to your death and you then well, at least in my situation i kept spawning back in front of the same enemy that had whacked me right. off and it would whack me off immediately before i even had a chance to swing so mm. i lost five or six lives in the space of as many seconds literally as many seconds as that mm. which wasn't great no so yes the game's good but i also think that that's a bit of a sour way to to end yeah, my, my main bugbear, my only bugbear actually with the game, is that it is very, very hard. I did not oh. walk through the levels. I got to about level four, and I was uh, pretty much on my on my feet. On my knees? Not feet. On my knees at that point, and I, mm. I, I found it very difficult. A lot more difficult than I found um, Streets of Rage. Uh, so Interesting. That was, that was my kind of main thing. I, I did... Um, I noticed a few times that enemies were getting me in pincer movements. So one was in front, one was behind. And that was then quite tricky to get out of. There was a nice moment where I was on a cockatrice, which is the thing I was thinking of that in my head, I thought it was a newt. I'm not sure where I got that from. It was a thing on two legs and it had this tail attack where you could uh, spin to the left and then back to the right again. So I was able to dispatch enemies when that happened if I was on a cockatrice quite easily. However, if I'm not on a cockatrice, you're obviously only facing one way. It's therefore quite difficult. Now, I went back to my notes on Streets of Rage because it 
sort of got my mind going, my memory banks going. And when Streets of Rage was being developed, the developers said that they had played similar games, beat-em-ups, etc., and they didn't like it when the developers had put code in to make the enemies do that because they felt it was mm. unfair on the player. And Streets of Rage came out after this. Streets of Rage came out in 1991, and you said this came out in 89 and then 1990 in uh, mm. Europe. So it makes me wonder if Streets of Rage had been done as a riposte to Golden Axe because of it drawing from the same thread. I, obviously, I don't know mm. that for sure, but it's just an interesting kind of comparison, interesting note. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, but other than that, I thought the game was absolutely smashing. I had a really strange memory while I was playing it. I didn't mention it to you um, while we were talking. Well, yeah, you playing, started sorry. talking about something very technical. Um, the, the It's when you said about the, the, bi, the biped creature being a cockatrice. And when I got to it, I, I, I was on it. I was like, oh, yeah, I remember this. So I had a second-hand copy. And, I, and my grandparents bought it for me from a second-hand bookshop they went to once. This dog-eared book of like mythical creatures and it was this proper like thick paperback of all these um, things like the kappa and cockatrice yeah. I, I was i was I've, I've mentioned about cryptozoology before and I, w- I was really into this book this second it was all brown paper because of how old i was probably from the 70s or something and i remember finding a read about the cockatrice in that book and then when you talked talk about the cockatrice with this game i must have been reading this book at the same sort of time as i was playing it's like the, the mid 90s 96 97 etc so um yeah just a there you go, little story. Cockatrice. The cockatrice, incidentally, isn't quite as I recall it, but I, I will say I compared it to... Um, I said it reminded me of He-Man's uh, cat, like yes. rideable cat. And I think the reason that it reminded me of that is, firstly, firstly, it's like bright pink um, in the first stage and then and a yellow, um, y- yellow highlighting. And I think it was that vividness of the contrast between those two colours um, that put me in mind of He-Man's cat. I can't remember his name. Crin- uh, is it Cringer? I don't know. I have no idea at no, all. I don't remember. Um, I think that if that if it is that, then I've totally dragged that out of my uh, <laughs> brain vault. I don't know. I don't know where brain that came vault. from. If it is right. You've talked about, about the colours. One thing I noticed which I thought was quite savvy of the developers again was the use of colour for difficulty so I think Street Bridge mm. did this as well but you yep. have the same basic set of enemies and each time you encounter them in later in the, the level or in later levels their colours were different to show it's the same enemy but maybe had mm. presumably had a high hit point or a stronger attack power or whatever and I quite liked that it was nice to kind of at the point I got to I was attacking the the generic kind of goblin-y type um, grunt characters but they had grey armour on so I knew straight away they were a lot harder and they were a lot harder they killed me yeah it's an age old trick there that one isn't it the colour swap uh, mm-hmm. colour palette swaps uh, to represent increasing difficulty and you know I, it's something that um, people will be familiar with regardless of what genres they're really interested in Precisely. it certainly happened in Final Fantasy and um, some platformers that I played would do the sim- a similar thing so yeah it's, it's um, an interesting is it an interesting thing? I don't know. It's definitely it's, a it's definitely a thing. Yeah. yeah, it's definitely a thing that happened. I think in terms of the way these characters were presented, because that is definitely part of uh, the the color palettes are definitely part of that. Um, I think I was a bit disappointed at the level of detail or, or the execution more than the level, the execution of detail in most of the characters, possibly even including 
the main character that I was playing as. Um, but certainly outside of their armor, the enemies um, kind of appeared a bit uh, smudgy, brown, fairly mm. generic. Um, and the ways that I was... Certain characters that had um, similar builds, I was actually looking at their weapons more than I was them to differentiate okay. who was who. Um, th- at the same time, there was there was a there was a range of body types, and there was a range of um, weapons, and a range of uh, attack patterns uh, across yeah. across the enemies. So there was a fair a fair amount of variety. They did often do do a shoulder barge move, especially when I was mounted, uh, to take me off the mount or to knock me down from a distance. It felt a little bit unfair at times, but at the same yeah. time, that was a move that was open to the player, and I actually found that doing it back or preemptively doing it to them meant that it gave me a distinct advantage the same advantage they were getting over me so the fact that it cut both ways kind of negates the the complaint and is an interesting thing to see because usually mm. you have quite distinct um move sets as a player to the to the ones that are given to the to the enemies mm. I, and actually you're right i hadn't really tweeted that i was able to do the same thing they did what i was doing is i was doing a, a classic jump attack and using that to yeah. slash enemies left and right and that didn't really seem to work maybe I should have been charging a little bit more one thing I did enjoy doing was with my character I was the the muscly he-man type with the mm. sword was I was when I was in close range combat with enemies I was um, he was bashing them with the hilt of his sword and then sometimes he'd like knee them and then throw them away which I thought was quite cool it, it gave me mm. a sense of, of power which I quite enjoyed yeah, I I had the same as Gilius, the uh, the dwarf. It sounds like we maybe had similar move sets as players as well, um, but they were obviously animated and executed differently depending on the character you had. Because I did have the, a similar thing where I would you know swing my axe and then I would boot them in the face and then yeah. I would pick them up like a wrestler and I would chuck them. And it was the thing about it is, regardless of whether that is replicated across the three characters it just felt really satisfying to work really through did. that that combo if you like to call it a combo because mm. it it was only all executed by one button press and it didn't you didn't need any real um skill to do it you didn't need timing or anything like that um but yeah it was it was pretty well animated i felt and it was mm. it was a very satisfying sequence of of attacks to to execute and, and you just mentioned a couple of minutes ago the word you used was presentation I really liked the presentation of the game it, it really mm. leans into this Dungeons and Dragons sword and sorcery stylings yeah. amazingly the music I thought was, was really good as well for that sort of style mm. as well um, it just it, it was it really oozed quality I felt yeah I think I agree um, the, you know the level of detail on the on the characters aside I think that the environments that you were working through there was a similarity, but I think it was a cohesive similarity. Um, it, it aided cohesion between level uh, between each of the levels, and there were certain things that did distinguish them. So, you know, there was definitely a, a thrill when I ended up on the back of an eagle um, oh, yeah. at one point. And you you said uh, there, there's like Turtle Village or whatever, which is on the yeah. back of a flying turtle, um, on the head of an eagle, back of a turtle just to clarify um there was yeah i i really i really did enjoy the environments um well, that i was moving through 
there was that bit when it's Turtle Village was the second level, and when you first went to the outskirts of Turtle Village, a load of villagers came running past you, mm. and I quite like mm. that world building. That was really cool. And they also yep. had the the geography of the game itself as well. Between each level, there was a map that popped up, so you could chart your progress through, and it gave everything this sense of actually being an interlinked series of, of environments which I, I really enjoyed as well also yeah. linked to that, that, that the, can i just per, per, yep. pick up on that um that's a, that's a really good point um the map i really enjoyed the map even though it was quite sparse it it's a thing that another sega game did really well for me that's alex kid which we've talked about a long while ago now um but that's one of the things that I really liked about Alex Kidd. Like you could see the journey across the world that he was taking. And it was exactly the same sort of thing here. I just really thought one, one, the geography of the stages um, felt very sort of tied together, but to this map really engaged, it really engaged that notion as well. Like it, it, it played into that strongly as well. Well, it was nice we did the first level and this red quill appeared and sort of scribbled, mm. charted your journey from the first to the second. I, I really yeah. liked that. Um, the thing I was going to say was that the campfires were in there, which oh, yeah. uh, I had that, that big rush. I talked about them. I can even remember the music of, of them, so a game I've not played for probably for 25 years. But the, the campfire is set up. So you do the first level, you do the first boss, and then you can to pitch the campfire on the grounds that they've just defeated this boss. And I really like the idea of the fact that your hero has been bruised and battered and bloodied from this battle. And is then mm. just setting down a campfire there and then that they're not going to a separate area and in to recuperate that they are setting yeah. down there. And then they're getting ambushed by this little goblin that's that you ha- have to get this magic off. And then once, once they wake up, they then go from that area. Okay. Now I'm going to head down, down the track to Total Village or whatever the next area is. Yeah. Just this this sense of it all being a, t- a tight set of areas. It was it was really well realised. Yeah, they really did try. They really did execute that very well, just tying all of the spaces together. And I think that's one thing that a lot of games um, will overlook. It's not a necessary thing. It doesn't ruin games that don't do it, but no. it's certainly something that it enhances games that do. And this is one of them. Um, just incidentally, on that campfire uh, campsite uh, thing, I didn't realise when you described it in the first half that the um, that the magic potions didn't. They're sat next to you, and they are actually your magic potions. So you might have collected four magic potions, um, and then for some insane reason, when you go to sleep, you pop them next to you on the floor like i don't it was very a very avoidable theft and you should always try and avoid theft or mugging or whatever if you can um as opposed to welcoming it or you know encouraging it by putting your magic potions next to you maybe on the campsite maybe the character usually has a teddy bear but they'd left it at home so they were cuddling their magic potion bottles just a instead. silly choice just a silly choice <laughs> silly silly adventurers but the magic system, we both said, was really good, the way they executed that yes. as well. So in Streets of Rage, just to, to harp back to that, you had your, your panic button, essentially, that if you were in a in a bind, you could press this button and this police car um, appeared a, a little bit further back and would then rain down a load of missiles at you. In this one, there was one, two, three, or five, six. You could collect six magic bottles and they were staggered. Mm. So level one was two I'm bottles. not sure I could get... Uh six i think i could get, get four so that might be a difference in characters uh, okay possibly so for, okay so for my character the barbarian character mm. level one was two level two was two and then three and four were one each so you could go mm. up to to six in total 
but then the way you could choose to do that so if you collected two you could then use this attack and it was a, a series of fireballs that came mm. up from the ground and if you did level one because you only had two but you still in a bit of a bind you could then do that okay job done if you have three you're in the, the second level of magic and then there's level three level mm. four but i like the way that it was staggered but i also like the way that it lets you choose to to do it and and the fact that it's you're doing it there and then you're sort of actively taking part in the battle rather than having to call on backup i thought that was really well well considered as well yeah mm. cool. yeah I, I, have- I really like that too I haven't, I haven't got anything else to say about the game, just that I think it's pretty good. I don't think there is anything else to say about the game from from tonight, but yeah, it's uh, completely agreed. It's a very enjoyable uh, experience. You mentioned in the first half about there being two sequels on the Mega Drive. Was there a sequel on the Xbox 360? I'm just imagining that. Yeah, I, 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 I'd mentioned two sequels. There was probably... I, I think there were actually more than two sequels, uh, even on the Mega Drive. Oh, really? Um, okay. Yeah. So one of the things... I didn't really look into it because it, it wasn't of interest to me at the time. Um, but I think there were, like, interquels, if that's a, oh. a word. So, like, there was Golden Axe, Golden Axe 2. I definitely played those two. Um, and then there was... A gold, a game in between Golden Axe two and three, um, and I can't remember what it's called. Let me let me just pull it up one second. Okay. Sorry, uh, gold, Golden Axe, Golden Axe uh, series, Golden Axe, Golden Axe. No, hang on, Golden Axe. I just searched for Golden Axe, and the first thing that comes up on Wikipedia is the Golden Age of Porn. Great. Weirdly. I don't know while, if that's... While we're, while we're paused, have a, shall I have, well, while you're doing that, shall I have a look at why, why it's called Golden Axe? Yeah. Uh, so there's Golden Axe. There's Golden Axe. There's Golden Axe 2. Then there's Golden Axe, The Revenge of Death Adder. Um, Great. And that went to arcades. So when we're talking about the Mega Drive entries, it doesn't count that one. Um so it is a case of Golden Axe, Golden Axe 2, Golden Axe 3. Uh, then there's Golden Axe Beast Rider, which uh, which features uh, Tyrus Flair, the Amazonian uh, character from, from this game. Um, it was released in 2008 right. as a direct sequel, hmm. apparently. And did it sink? Uh, did not do very well. Very poor yeah. sales. It, it came out on the PlayStation 3, the Xbox 360. Um, there were then also spin-offs. So there was Golden Axe Warrior, which was a Mass System title. There was Axe Battler, A Legend of Golden Axe, which was a Game Gear title. I'm surprised you didn't have it. Uh, and nope. Golden Axe The Jewel, uh, which was a Sega Saturn game. And it was a one-on-one fighting game. And actually, that just reminds me about a thing that was in this game that we didn't dig into. But I do remember playing... When I was when I was playing this initially, there is a, the duel mode in this game, which is where Golden Axe the duel presumably stems from. Mm-hmm. The duel is um, a a mode in this game that you get to fight against enemies one on one in like a an arena, you know, like a Street Fighter style one on one arena. Um, sure. That was that was in. That was one of the options, and I do distinctly remember doing that. So you would work through a series of of enemies from the main storyline, um, 
one after the other and see how far you could get, like a boss rush style. Yeah, I was thing. just going to say that. That's the sort of thing, like a like Colosseum type thing. You get those in in quite yeah. a few games. Where it's, that's yep. that's pretty cool. That was in this game. I don't remember touching that at all, but maybe maybe I did, maybe I didn't. I don't know. Mm. Um. So yeah, that is the that's the all of the entries that I'm aware of. Um. There was a plan. So we talked about uh, the like the backdrop, the 90s backdrop of all of these um, synergistic uh, projects between games and television and, and video games. Well, this actually was very late to that party in the sense that in 2014, there were some preliminary plans to bring this to the cinema screens, the, uh, the Golden Axe film. It obviously never came to anything. Um, so yeah, that that a wasted opportunity, I would say. 2014, that that ship has very much sailed at that point, though. Surely, I don't think anyone ever discounts anything in uh, this kind of situation. You know, like game, the entertainment industry is constantly trying to reinvent itself and reinvent everything that's in it. So I, well, I don't think. That was the uh, the Dungeons and Dragons movie that came yeah. out here this year that uh, was apparently quite good. I didn't bother. Supposedly. Not that Dungeons and Dragons needs a helping hand. I think it's actually doing, it's thriving in its own original um, form these days. Like, it's doing better than it's ever done, I, I believe. Well, I imagine that that film would probably be akin to what a Golden Axe film yeah. might have been. But I don't know. Uh, just Possibly, as- yeah. Just as a side note, on the Wikipedia page for Golden Axe, I googled while you were having a chat then, um, the series takes place in a medieval fantasy world where several heroes have the task of recovering the legendary Golden Axe, the mainstay yeah. of the series. So that's why it's but called that- Golden Axe. Mm. I don't remember that being mentioned at all. At all. And also, when I've been doing uh, looking into this, the thing that has been sort of front and centre is Death Adder. And the, yeah. the like the 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 goal, the target for everybody seems to be that they have vengeance to take out upon Death Adder or his minions or their mm. minions. So, so gold, golden axe, yeah. Never mind. What's in the name? And uh, just as a just to, to wrap up that particular thing as well, I looked into the Mega Games. It was Mega Games Volume Two that I had. Presumably, you had mm. as well. It had Streets of Rage. It had Golden Axe, and it had a Shinobi title on. What a great yeah, got a great little trilogy. Yeah, I, I um I was a bit misleading in that first half because actually this wasn't mine. This was my cousin's, but it was the Mega Games. I I I sort of I don't know why I need to clarify that for people, but I just wanted to put put that right. It wasn't actually mine. It was my it's cousin's. N- it's nice to have closure, isn't it? Yeah. Well, I just yeah. want to be honest, you know. Right, well, there we go. Well, uh, anything else to say about the game? I know. Okay. Well, thank you very much for listening. If you've enjoyed it, remember to join us on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube, and do the usual podcasty things while you're at it, please. Yeah. Pop those casts. I mean, no. I mean, uh, goodbye. Have a nice week. Thank you for joining us. See you next week. Bye. Bye.